0: i have my dog with me today so if i seem sometimes a little distracted that'd be why and he doesn't want to sit uh in the pew today so well all right i should clarify my dog's a puppy Yeah, here's your. like <laughs> now tr- Trinity's dog sitting. Okay, so what lenses shape the millennial view, and so we're going to talk about these lenses. And we know lenses uh, shape how we interpret material and how we think about material. So. Um, so there's two lenses that do that, and the first lens is the presupposition that God's kingdom is a spiritual one, and we don't disagree with that, right? God's God's kingdom is definitely a spiritual kingdom. That's all right. He wants his bed. He decided that he's going to satisfy himself with the bed. Um but, but then they, they go on to say, and it will have a, will not, that didn't get changed, so that should say will not, I believe it's changed on your paper, will not have a physical and temporal manifestation, okay? Physical temporal manifestation would be the thousand year reign of Christ. So you might want to just put not in there, that's a, a typo, uh, manifestation on earth, specifically this earth. Not on the paper. Okay. Um, so, it's weird they didn't change that, but um, can't have everything. So, Borkhoff, who uh, is a Reformed uh, theologian, and his systematic theology states, Reformed theology is mindful of the fact that the kingdom of Jesus Christ is represented as an eternal and not a temporal kingdom. Now, temporal means a t- kingdom bound by time, right? Okay, so that. Temporal is what that means. And, and we would agree that God's kingdom is what? Everlasting, right? Now, we would just say that it has different uh, manifestations at different times. God's ruling now, and it's, his rule now looks different than what his rule will look like during the millennial kingdom, right? And then it's going to look, he, he'll still be ruling in the new heavens and new earth. And it'll look different then, okay? Um, so, I don't know exactly why they exclude this, but they do, okay? Um, so, it, an eternal and not a temporal kingdom. This, of course, is inferring that it is not limited to the thousand-year reign of Jesus. And I would agree, it's that God's kingdom is not limited to the thousand-year reign, but doesn't exclude there being a thousand-year reign, all right? Everybody tracking so far? Everybody understand? What's going on? Okay. The second lens is the prioritization of the metaphorical over the in literal interpretation of the passage. Okay. And, and I don't, I'm not saying they don't have good reason to do this. They do this, choose to do this because other prophecies are interpreted this way. So there are two ways to interpret text. One is literal and one is metaphorical. And there are times when the New Testament takes prophecies of the Old Testament and interprets them metaphorically, right? And we're going to look at one. So a good example would be Matthew 2, 14 through 15. We just read, probably this is the Christmas story, right? Jesus and Mary and Joseph are fleeing Bethlehem to go where? To Egypt because Herod is going to kill Try to kill Jesus, right? So Joseph rose and took the child and his mother by night, and they departed to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet: "Out of Egypt I called my son." Matthew is quoting part of Hosea eleven one, but if we read all of Hosea eleven one, we can see that the context bears out that uh, that the original writer was not thinking of the Messiah, right? It says, when Israel, this is Hosea 11.1, when Israel was a child, God says, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son, right? So here by the context, we can see that the prophet is not speaking directly about Jesus, right? He's talking about Israel. So Matthew interprets Israel as a metaphor or a type Uh, for Jesus. You see that? So it's not a literal fulfillment. It's a metaphorical fulfillment. So so there's other instances, but I could also point to instances where, you know, there's literal fulfillment, right? Jesus rode into Bethlehem on a donkey to the date of what it said was going to happen, right? So there's literal fulfillment and there's metaphorical fulfillment, all right? The tricky bit is how does one choose to use a metaphorical lens or a literal lens. So that's the tricky bit, right? And that, that's hard to determine sometimes. And I would say Revelation 20, um, or actually a big chunk of Revelation, is a hard one to often determine. Sometimes too being too wooden and too literal is not the answer, but being over-metaphorical and... Um, how just going off of all these similes, right, is not helpful either. So, the, in my opinion, there's a balance between the two, okay? So, you, it's it's not a good study method to only use one of these lenses. Both of these are tools in the woodshed, if you would, or in the shop to, to study God's word. The rule of thumb should be which lens fits the context best, right? And I and so there's just a lot of debate as what, which lens is the best context for Revelation 20. Um, and obviously, there's no consensus for that. All right. Any questions about that so far? Do they have a reason why choose yeah, we're, we're going to get to that. <laughs> but yes, they do. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, so sometimes it's both. So there's definitely a sense where you have both, especially like in visionary, right? So a vision is, kind of has a metaphorical sense already to it, Um, but then it also has literal uh, impact on on the earth. Or it's a symbol for something that's literal. Does that make sense? Like Jesus isn't something fake, right? I mean, Israel is a symbol for Jesus and in that ma- in that Hosea passage, so so a lot of times it's both and 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 weighing that out. Um, in the case of the all, like all millennial, it can't be both. Does does that make sense? Because they're denying the thousand years, so they're they're taking it um, in a different way. In one way, it could be both in the sense that they're seeing it as God's kingdom, like here and now and into the future, and it's being complete, um, and so. It, It definitely is both in the sense that it's God's kingdom, but the way God's kingdom is laying out is quite different. So the metaphorical lens was popularized. It sounds so much better in my head than when I try to say it. In the third century by Origen and Augustine. Okay, These are two early church fathers. So uh, Origen is a Greek, uh, Greek guy. He loved Greek thought, which uses a lot of metaphor and simile. And he was writing in the early 3rd century. Augustine is writing in the late 3rd century. Okay, And these two guys popularize it. Origen believed that Revelation 20, 4 through 6 is a description of growth from conversion in the present life to heaven. So he thinks it's this time period, right? The Christian, the church age. Augustine, which in his book City of God, which um, reformed people love this book, and it's a good book. I, I've enjoyed reading it. Um, in chapters 26 through 19, he interprets Revelation 21 through 6 with three conclusions. So He's using a metaphorical lens to interpret it. First, the resurrection mentioned in Revelation 21 through 6 refers to the spiritual regeneration that happens at conversion. Okay? So that first resurrection, that Revelation 21 through 6, isn't talking about an end-time resurrection. It's talking about a resurrection, the resurrection of the soul that happens when you are saved. That's basically what he's saying there. Well, it's pretty old, so, and I wouldn't say reformed people think that now. Uh, well, they would have it would be a twist on it, right? Um, second, second, the millennium itself expresses the continual battle between quiet Christ and his body with Satan in the church age. So, the conflict between Satan there and and, and Satan being bound is this battle. So he's really trying to put it. In, and again, he's using a, a, meta, a heavy metaphorical lens, uh, which is very fo- foreign to my, <laughs> my own uh, way of thinking. It's hard to put that much of a metaphorical lens on it. And then third, after Christians struggle against Satan and refrain from hypocrisy and sin, they will be finally be resurrected and ushered into the eternal state. So they only see one resurrection for the good and the bad at the same time. Um, and then, and that happens when Christ comes back and then starts the eternal state, the new heavens and new earth. That's what it means when it says eternal state, okay? So those are th- Augustine's takes on that. And then, of course, Luther and Calvin, who all read City of God, then came out with their own uh, stuff in the Protestant movement. And that's where we get really Luther and Calvin is really where we get a lot of the, the reformed uh, amillennial uh structure, okay? Uh, Beal, he is an all-millennialist, and I actually have been using Bill's commentary quite a bit for Revelation um, and enjoy his, his, his Old Testament background, um, but I don't agree with him on his position here, but he says the millennial started at Christ's resurrection and will be concluded at his final coming, okay? So that's that's simple that's what they say now it seems simple but then like how that works out seems more convoluted and complicated in my mind especially when uh, obviously our millennials don't read uh, the uh, conjunct- uh, conjunctions in revelation especially and or then as uh, has historic sequence so they don't see revelation as... Happening in a in a historic sequence, they see those uh, conjunctions functioning as introductions to the next vision. This is the next vision, and so then they take the visions and they like overlay them like a map, so that they're retelling the same story different ways. Okay, so the first six uh, we got oh. seals, right? Or one version of the same event as, say, the s- for the seven t- trumpets, the seven trumpets, or the same, they're all three th- the same things, all ending with the, s- the day of the Lord. So they overlay on each other, and then like uh, Revelation uh, uh, 20 is a or 20 through 10 is a retelling of uh, Revelation 19. Okay, which is Revelation 19 is the Battle of Armageddon, right, Christ coming. It doesn't happen after. It's just retelling the church age and the Battle of Armageddon in a different light. So they don't see chronology as much in Revelation as they do to see these overlays. Um, that, to me, is very complicated, um, hard to to reason out in my own mind. Um, but that's the way they see it, yeah. Yeah, the day of the Lord would be like one day, yeah. But some of them do hold like a tribulation period up to the day, but, but that's probably a minority. Yeah. Um, okay, so he explains his reason for symbolic interpretation with this statement. This answers your question. Uh, The objects he sees and what he hears, the objects who John sees and what he hears are seen and heard in a vision, which is typically metaphorical. They are not forced to be understood literally, but viewed as symbolically portrayed and communicated, which is the symbolic level of the vision. So he's saying your rule of thumb coming to this passage should be symbol, not literal. And I would agree with Bill, there's a point of symbol and literal going hand in hand, okay? So, for example, a thousand carries with it in in numerology, the, the study of numbers within the Bible, an idea of completeness, fullness, right? And so, God's kingdom is full, right? So, there is that metaphorical sense, but that doesn't mean it excuses that it would be also a thousand years, does that make sense? The fullness of God's kingdom. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of God's fullness, coming and inaugurated. Uh, that's why it's inaugurated millennialism. Inaugurated at the resurrection and then coming to full, cons- uh, uh, full... Coming to head, full head at the second coming. Okay? So they see... So all this stuff has metaphorical meaning most of it and not as much uh it does have some practical implications but like satan being bound for example is it's not a full binding okay it's a partial binding and we'll look at the passages but it's it's the church christ through the church binding satan okay and they don't get that out of revelation 20 They just take the idea of bound, and then they go back to the New Testament, the Gospels specifically, where it talks about, we've been given the keys of the kingdom, and what I have bound on earth, you have bound in heaven. Those that language. But we're gonna get to that. So here's a graphic to illustrate the all-millennial position or interpretation. So you can see all-millennialism sees no future millennium, our millennialism believes that the church age is the millennium. Christ's rule is now. Okay? But it's a spiritual rule. It's not going to have physical, temporal manifestations here on this earth. Then Christ will return, right, with, and there will be the resurrection of believers and the resurrection of unbelievers, the great white throne judgment, and then the new heaven and the new earth going into the eternal state. Most our millennials are preterists or partial preterists, Meaning, they believe that most of the tribulation has happened, right? It happened. Jerusalem. It w- the, that revelation is right. The the tribulation of the revelation was writing about the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. Yeah. So. So some of them would say then it's also about God wrapping up and getting rid of all of the evil for all time at the Battle of Armageddon. So that battle would still be coming. But the tribulation part of of the seals, the bulls, right, they see that as being poured out on Jerusalem. Now, you can tell that this this view is not very, it, it, it doesn't think very, high, it doesn't, I don't want to say it thinks slowly, but it doesn't give high consideration to Jews, right? So, I'm not saying they're anti-Semitic or anything, I mean, some of them are, but most of them are not, right? Um, but it doesn't put Jews in the front and center, or even as an important piece Uh, The church has become Israel. It's a replacement theology. Not all people that way, but it's predominant in this view. All right, any other questions or questions about the picture? Yeah, so they they interpret the, the root and the stump differently than we do. Yeah, so they don't think that the well, they would argue that the land promises were fulfilled uh, in the time of of Joshua. And it actually there is a s- text that says that it's fulfilled, like God fu- fulfilled the promises and gave them the land. But then I would say it's reiterated that it, they're going to get the land and that it's in perpetuity, right? So but they don't they don't recognize that, right? It's just a different take. Um, There is a point when it is, like, becomes spiritualized, right? The new heaven and new earth, uh, you know, saved Jews actually inherit that, right? And they get that, and that's the ultimate promise. Does that make sense? Um, So in that sense, they get it in perpetuity, (laughs) Yeah, and so I think that one's in Galatians. I do know what you're talking about. What, and that's where they they put everything into Christ, and I don't think that's wrong um, in the sense that I do think Christ fulfills everything, but how he fulfills everything is why I end up disagreeing with him, right? So um, all the yeah, promises of Abraham, that's definitely Galatians. So... We can look at some other scriptures that would support that we're a part of Christ right now. And here's some ideas, scripture verses that they pull from to boister their opinion of or interpretation of a metaphorical translation of or interpretation or translation of Revelation twenty one through 6. So the first one we're going to look at is John 18, uh, 36. And it says, Now, the context here is Jesus is on trial, okay? Uh, He's about ready to be crucified, right? And he's before Pilate. And he says to Pilate, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I may not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. So they say, well, Jesus said that his kingdom is not of this world. So why would he have a physical reign on this world if his kingdom is not of this world um i think a little out of context right and a little not looking at the the big plan but that's that's their logic okay the next one is be ephesians uh 115 through 23 This is a prayer Paul prays for the people of God, for the the Ephesians. He says, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. I'm stepping off the screen. Having your hearts of your light, uh, hearts of you having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the walking of his great might. Hey, you're early. That's all right. Um, I'm going to, we're almost done here, so. And that he walked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Fall above all rule and authority, power and dominion above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age that come. So here Christ is ruling and he's above all rule, all authority, right? Power and dominion. So those, everything is subjected to him. That's what they would be arguing. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Okay? So then they're just saying Christ is reigning now. We're joining Christ in his reign. This is proof of what Christ has done through the power of the resurrection in your life. This is Paul's prayer uh, for Christians now. Not in the future, but now. Okay? And then Colossians 1.13-14, Jesus, or God, has or Jesus, God, yeah, God has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and trumfers, transferred us in the kingdom of his beloved son. So we're in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, right? So we're part of God's kingdom. And I I wouldn't disagree with that. I am just disagree how they see the millennial walking out in that, right? In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, amen? So and then Colossians 2:13 through 15 says and you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh god made alive together with him having forgiven all our transpa- tr- trespasses by canceling the record of the debt stood against us with its legal demands he set it aside nailing it to the cross praise the lord right and then it says he disarmed the rulers authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him right so he's disarmed the rulers Right. So they would say Satan's disarmed. The rulers are disarmed. Satan's been bound in a sense. Right. And now Christ has done the work and we live in that reality and we bring in or we we represent Christ uh, and the rule of Christ here on earth. Right. So that's why they call it an inaugurated millennium. We call it because we don't necessarily camp out with them. You know, they've gotten the name a millennial, meaning there is no millennium. Right because they think that the, that the church age represents the millennial age, the rule of Christ, because Christ is ruling now. Now, I don't disagree that Christ is ruling now, right? I, I think that's very clear. Oh, yes, Christ is ruling now. But Christ will rule differently, in my opinion, in the thousand-year reign of Christ than he rules now, right? Right now he rules with grace and mercy and peace, right? Extending uh, salvation, right? In the millennial reign, it says he'll rule with a rod of iron, right? So there won't be choice, or oh, choice as much. Does that make sense? So it's a different, in my opinion, different mode of reign, right? He's reigning now. He'll reign in the thousand years. And my reason, to, I mean, my biggest reason for the thousand year reign is, well, uh, because it fulfills the promises made to Israel that they will be, you know, Israel, the nation, will he'll rule from that place, right? Um, but, but they just see, you know, the church age and Christ ruling through the church age. And, and these are some of the verses they point to uh, to verify that. And then uh, Matthew sixteen nineteen, this is in reference to Satan being bound. It says he's bound for a thousand years, locked up in the abyss, right, um, for a thousand years but with a great chain, right? All of that's symbolic to a certain extent, right? Right. Um, but also literal, right? We know that when God talks about uh, the abyss, there's a place that, you know, that God locks up the baddest of the worst angels, and they're locked in the abyss. It's like the depths of, of the place of the dead, right? It's not hell, right? It's a di- I mean, it, the lake of fire or hell, it's a different place than that, right? We've studied that. So, But it says here, um, God, Jesus says to Peter, and and his disciples, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So giving us this power, the power of the kingdom of God, the power to bind Satan, the power to forgive sins, the power to uh, to proclaim the gospel, the good news, the walk of Christ, right? And so this is what they say is the binding. And so there's a degree, a, disagree, a disagreeance, obviously, between a millennialist, right, uh, or a premillennialist, really, and uh, and a historic millennialist, so either one, and uh, and the the aptitude in which Satan is bound, right? I might say, well, First Peter five eight, or five five thirteen five eight, that says that the devil goes about like a roaring lion, sinking whom he may devour. Well, well, that doesn't sound very bound to me. Right? But they say, no, but Satan is bound. He's limited in what he can do in his scope and sequence. Right? And God's restraining Satan so that he can't just uh, unilaterally just deceive the nations, deceive the peoples, right? So it's a disagreement on what bound means and the degree of bound. Right. And here they would say, Matthew twenty eighteen through nineteen, Jesus came and said, What? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me So, again, they're reemphasizing Jesus' rule, and Jesus' rule now, right? Um, he's ruling now. Um, and I don't gris- disagree with that, but I do think that he'll rule now, and then he'll rule differently in the thousand-year reign of Christ, right? And so I see, I see three episodes or three different manifestations, if you would, of Christ's rule. I see a rule now, which is more of a spiritual rule, more of a disconnect rule. Not not that he doesn't act. He does act, and his main acting is through the church, right? So he is acting. Um, and then uh, uh, in-person rule within the thousand-year reign of Christ, right? And then the eternal state after the great white throne judgment. But they don't see the, that that thousand-year rule. They just say it's going to be the the ruling through the church till he comes back, and then he comes back, and you're going to have the, the judgments, and then New heaven, new earth. Any questions so far? John, Matthew, or Satan, is the same. Satan says, All these have been given me, and I get them to whoever I want. Just contrasting that where Jesus says, All authority in heaven has been given to me, and how Satan is a usurper. Yeah. Yeah, and it, because when Satan's tempting Jesus, he's he says all the kingdoms of the earth are his, right, and that Jesus can have them, right. That's one of Jesus's temptations, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, and so from a non-millennialist view, they would say, okay, that's pre-resurrection, uh, that's pre-Christ, that's the beginning of Christ's ministry, right, and then they would point to. Uh, passages like Luke 10, 18 through 19, which would say where, Jesus, where the 70 are coming back from casting out demons, healing the sick, and the kingdom of God going out. And, and as they're coming back, Jesus says to them, I saw Satan fall from heaven. And so they would see, see, this is Satan being bound on earth as he is in heaven. So by the cross and the resurrection, Satan has lost his hold on the nations. That's what they would say to that and i would say yes but not yet does that make sense yes but not yet he has lost his hold on his on the nations but it's not fully consummated does that make you see what i mean and and they see the, the yes but not yet in a different manner right okay so Matthew 28, 18 through 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Which is our command, right? That's what we do. Well, That's Christ's rule. That's the manifestation of his reign. So in these verses, we have different interpretations of already not yet tension. Now, we all agree, both uh, Reformed and dispensationalists or uh, Idealist, preterists. Um, Futurists, right? We all agree that there's an already not yet tension that Scripture puts out, right? Um, I'm seated in the right hand with God Christ at the in the heavenly places at the right hand of God, but not yet, right? And uh, Christ is ruling and reigning, but not yet, not fully. But they interpret that scale differently, right? So in my Dispensational or futurist view, the scale of Christ's reign now is more limited, right, than what they would make it. Does that make sense? I think Satan still has uh, control and, and, and influence over the nations, right? I think the gods of the nations that God divided them up in Deuteronomy 32 8 uh, are still in charge of those nations. God hasn't disp- deposed them yet right i think that part of what's going on in, in revelation uh, 17 and 18 and 19 is god deposing of those gods the the babylon the the all the 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 rulers right that are represented not only the the people but the gods as well and that's adjustment yeah, so the Tower of Babel, right? So we remember the Tower of Babel is is like the third spiritual rebellion, and it's uh, and it, God divides the nations up among the gods, in Deuteronomy eight eight 32. Oh no thirty two eight. Sorry, I switched it around thirty two eight. I. Right. Oh, so the angels, there's, there's like three spiritual rebellions. So that would been like the last recorded. Spiritual rebellion that we have. So, well, the first spiritual rebellion obviously is in Eden, right? When the when the cherubim, uh, known as the serpent, the seraph comes and tempts Eve. I mean, that's a spiritual rebellion right there, right? And then the second uh, spiritual rebellion would be Genesis chapter six, which is where the the uh, angels leave their proper abode and take wives um, and create. Uh, some weird mutant hybrid race um now people disagree i mean there's different views on that as well but but the, the the supernatural view would be that there's a hybrid race that then that brings in actually a lot of the judgments in the land is all talking about destroying um this hybrid race the the destruction when uh if you trace through like Joshua uh, and even some of Numbers, you'll see that the, the like the Nephilim and they're the cropping up. It's the whole re- part of the reason of the wickedness increasing on the earth for the flood. Um, so, th- so then there's that, and then there's the Tower of Babel, which we usually see as a, a God punishing because they're trying to build a tower to the go- to God and. And we don't always understand what's going on there, but it's a worshiping of the gods, right? They're not obeying God. The gods are enticing them to build a ziggurat. Um, so it's another spirit and to come together rather than the spouse. It's another spiritual rebellion. And then in Psalm 82, uh, God is saying to them, to the gods that he assigned the nations to, you know, I'm, you're going to die like men. He, Psalm 82, yeah. He, it's where he, he holds counsel. Right. Wow. I don't know how I digressed in all that. But um, so, yeah, so there's a lot of topography to this whole thing. And and Revelation is the consummation of all that. And so you have God dealing with the gods in Revelation. Um, you have God dealing with humanity in Revelation. Right. And and judging them um, and that's where the tension of the old already, not yet, is a little different, right? The, the Reformed guy says he's dealt with those. That's what the Reformed guy says, basically. Those are dealt with. And now uh, Satan's dealt with, and now it's just human humanity that's screwing everything up. And I, I don't disagree that humanity's screwing things up, right? But I do think that Satan's a player. Um, and I think you can make a pretty good argument besides 1 Peter 5.8, but 1 Peter 5.8 would be a pretty strong one. I don't, or 5.13, is that, you know, Satan goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Um, but I don't dispute that we have power over Satan either, though, right? I mean, through the, the power, the blood of the cross and the power of the resurrection. So it's a tension of all the not yet, and how it manifests, right? And the point of that tension how manifested is the kingdom of God in all reality now? And they would say it doesn't. It's not going to make a uh, a physical, temporal, temporal or time right time bound manifestation on this earth. Okay, and it's full, like well, God rules from earth. It's gonna. It only comes in the new heaven and the new earth. Any questions? So I'll let her ask her a question. No, go ahead, Alicia. Yeah, he he has all kinds of questions. No, I'm glad he's asking questions, but I, I want to hear yours. No, that's post millennials. No, no, that's okay because we're going to cover that. No. All millennials don't think everything's getting better. They think that it's going to get so bad and then God's going to come back and it'll be that battle of Armageddon and he said everything right. Yeah. Yep. John. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, <laughs> that God is going to win. Right. Well, they do, but they 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 do that, but they're not right. Islam. There's a lot of them that do, but they're not. They're usually not. Those Christian cults do, but Islam. What? And you know, Islam is a Christian, a Judeo-Christian cult. You realize that, right? Islam. Yes. No, but but it so it so I would say Jehovah Witnesses worship a different God. I would say Mormons worship a different God. Uh, But so if you study Islam, Islam uh, emerges in the century, so six hundred years after (laughs) Christianity is formed, many many years after uh, Judaism has been formed, right? Um, And um, and yeah, Islam is a mixing. Of judeo and Christian I mean they they claim Abraham as their father, mm-hmm. right? It's not a true claim, but they do right Ishmael is their son, right uh, they are the the descendants of Ishmael, right so yeah it's a it's a perversion of judeo uh, Ju- judeo-Christian beliefs. Yeah, but it would be more akin to Mormonism, in my opinion. The problem is, is it's six, it was, it's, you know, it happened in 6800 AD, right? So it's so far back there, it, it seems, and it's so opposed, right, that it seems so foreign to it, right? But when you go back and look at it, yeah, there is some mixing, but it is, it is a sp- it's like a spurious uh, claim, and then they, you know, they end up with their own prophets, obviously. And, um, Yeah. Okay. So what are some truths that this interpretation, right? So our millennials, what are some strong points for, for application for us? I think the first is it highlights the power of the resurrection, right? I mean, it definitely says the power of the resurrection is real. It's active. It's it's working. In fact, it's bound Satan in all lives now, and 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 Christ rule now, right? So, so it's working, right? Sometimes I think dispensationalists can feel kind of like wimps, right? I mean, like oh, you know, oh man, it really it's really lame right now. Give Satan too much credit, right? Uh, in all lives, that doesn't happen really in Reformed circles. In fact. Most of the time, reform circles don't play into demonic oppression or uh, demonic influence at all because they have this idea of Satan being conquered, Satan being bound, okay? Now, that has some negative am- ramifications, but it has some positives in the sense that we can borrow saying we can have confidence because Christ's walk, right, is sufficient, right? I can say, get behind me, Satan, right, in the name of Jesus, and he'll do it. Right? Or oh, get behind me, demon, right? So uh that's a highlight. It's it's a now thing. Christ's power walking in our lives. It's the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, is is walking in us, right? That's good news. Uh the second is it brings the idea of ruling with Christ, uh, not only as a future event, which a dispensationalist usually sees it as something future in the thousand-year reign of Christ and and in the eternal state, right? Um but the uh, the reform, the are so the inaugurated millennials sees it as happening now. We're ruling with Christ as I go out into the marketplace of 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 life, I'm representing Christ. and I don't disagree with that, right? But they see it as a more forceful reign. Does that make sense? Um, uh, a more forceful presence of Christ's reality. Um, yeah. Any questions or thoughts on those two comments yeah, and i would I would say it is, but it's 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 in a different manifestation, okay, okay so it's in a different form God's kingdoms now what about the kingdom of God? meaning I'm about my relationship with God and I'm about presenting Christ through my actions, you know and my life community around me that's being com- uh, kingdom-minded, right? So it, this now is about the kingdom of God, us being uh, uh, out there, you know, sharing the kingdom of God, right, like Jesus did, right? And so in a sense, it's now, but it's not yet, but they've manifested differently, right? So they're really saying it's like now, now, right? Yeah. or Israel, right, right. Yeah, so that's a good question because, you know, and I've thought about that and I wish we had an Amillennialist to interview because sometimes I don't feel like I give them credit. So they're replacement theology typically or they, they emphasize Jesus over that, right? And so they would say that the disciples are fixated on Israel and they're missing the whole point and Jesus is just trying to redirect them. Because what does he say in the next verse? It is not for you to know the times and seasons that the Lord has laid out. That's what they would say. So they would say he's, he's choosing not to explain what he explains maybe to Paul later in Galatians, how the church has assumed Israel. I, but that's, I'm not saying that's a sufficient answer for me but that's they that would be something along those lines if i'm if i'm wearing their lens and you know the disciples all fixated on this <laughs> on the second coming really you know and jesus obviously could have laid it out and he does a little bit like in Matthew 24 but most reforms see Matthew 24 um The the end times passages uh, in the Gospels, like Matthew 24, I can't think of the one in Luke and Mark, but those uh, Luke 20, Mark 21. Anyways, they see those mostly as fulfilled in the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. They don't see those as future events. Um, So that's, that's the other way they would explain those things away. I don't know if they explain that, the way they interpret it. It's a lens, right? And it's a lens that their, their theology of reform, their th- reformed theology is, is filtering through. Just like my lens of dispensational theology filters, right? I try to do biblical theology, but even then it ha- it's affected by either reformed theology at times, if I'm not careful, or systematic theology. Oh, sorry. Dispensational theology. Any other questions?